Chapter Five, Part Three of the American Language. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The American Language by H. L. Mencken. Chapter Five: Tendencies in American. Part Three: Lost Distinctions this general iconoclasm reveals itself especially in a disdain for most of the niceties of modern english the american like the elizabethan englishman is usually quite unconscious of them and even when they have been instilled into him by the hard labor of pedagogues he commonly pays little heed to them in his ordinary discourse the english distinction between will and shall offers a salient case in point this distinction it may be said at once is far more a confection of the grammarians than a product of the natural forces shaping the language it has indeed little etymological basis and is but imperfectly justified logically one finds it disregarded in the authorized version of the bible in all the plays of shakespeare in the essays of the reign of anne and in some of the best examples of modern english literature the theory behind it is so inordinately abstruse that the fowlers in the king's english require twenty pages to explain it and even then they come to the resigned conclusion that the task is hopeless the idiomatic use of the two auxiliaries they say is so complicated that those who are not to the manner born can hardly acquire it footnote l pearson smith in the english language page twenty nine says that the differentiation is so complicated that it can hardly be mastered by those born in parts of the british islands in which it has not yet been established for example all of ireland and most of scotland End of footnote. well even those who are to the manner born seem to find it difficult for at once the learned authors cite blunder in the writings of richardson stevenson gladstone jowett oscar wilde and even henry sweet author of the best existing grammar of the english language in american the distinction is almost lost no ordinary american save after the most laborious reflection would detect anything wrong in this sentence from the london times denounced as corrupt by the fowlers we must reconcile what we would like to do with what we can do nor in this by w b yeats the character who delights us may commit murder like macbeth and yet we will rejoice in every happiness that comes to him half a century ago impatient of the effort to fasten the english distinction upon american george p marsh attacked it as of no logical value or significance whatever and predicted that at no very distant day this verbal quibble will disappear and one of the auxiliaries will be employed with all persons of the nominative exclusively as the sign of the future and the other only as an expression of purpose or authority footnote quoted by white in words and their uses pages two sixty four to five white however dissented vigorously and devoted ten pages to explaining the difference between the two auxiliaries most of the other authorities of the time were also against marsh for example richard mead Beach. see his vulgarisms and other errors of speech page ninety two and following 
sir edmund head governor-general of canada from eighteen fifty four to eighteen sixty one wrote a whole book upon the subject shall and will or two chapters on future auxiliary verbs london eighteen fifty six end of footnote this prophecy has been substantially verified will is sound american with all persons of the nominative and shall is almost invariably an expression of purpose or authority footnote the probable influence of irish immigration upon the american usage is not to be overlooked joyce says flatly english as we speak it in ireland page seventy seven that like many another irish idiom this is also found in american society chiefly through the influence of the irish at all events the irish example must have reinforced it in ireland will i light the fire ma'am is colloquially sound End of footnote. and so though perhaps not to the same extent with who and whom now and then there arises a sort of panicky feeling that whom is being neglected and so it is trotted out footnote often with such amusing results as whom is your father and whom spoke to me the exposure of excesses of that sort always attracts the wits especially franklin p adams End of footnote. but in the main the american language tends to dispense with it at least in its least graceful situations noah webster always the pragmatic reformer denounced it so long ago as seventeen eighty three common sense he argued was on the side of who did he marry to-day such a form as whom are you talking to would seem somewhat affected in ordinary discourse in america who are you talking to is heard a thousand times oftener and is doubly american for it substitutes who for whom and puts a preposition at the end of a sentence two crimes that most english purists would seek to avoid it is among the pronouns that the only remaining case inflections in english are to be found if we forget the possessive and even here these survivors of an earlier day begin to grow insecure lounsbury's defense of it is me as we shall see in the next chapter has support in the history and natural movement of the language and that movement is also against the preservation of the distinction between who and whom footnote it is i is quite as unsound historically the correct form would be it am i or i am it compare the german ich bin es not es ist ich and a footnote the common speech plays hob with both of the orthodox inflections despite the protests of grammarians and in the long run no doubt they will be forced to yield to its pressure as they have always yielded in the past between the dative and accusative on the one side and the nominative on the other there has been war in the english language for centuries and it has always tended to become a war of extermination our now universal use of you for ye in the nominative shows the dative and accusative swallowing the nominative and the practical disappearance of hither thither and whither whose place is now taken by here there and where shows a contrary process in such wars a posse comitatus marches ahead of the disciplined army 
american stands to english in the relation of that posse to that army it is incomparably more enterprising more contemptuous of precedent and authority more impatient of rule a shadowy line often separates what is currently coming into sound usage from what is still regarded as barbarous no self-respecting american i dare say would defend ain't as a substitute for isn't say in he ain't the man and yet ain't is already tolerably respectable in the first person where english countenances the even more clumsy aren't aren't has never got a foothold in the american first person when it is used at all which is very rarely it is always as a conscious Briticism. facing the alternative of employing the unwieldy am i not in this the american turns boldly to ain't i in this it still grates a bit perhaps but aren't grates even more here as always the popular speech is pulling the exacter speech along and no one familiar with its successes in the past can have much doubt that it will succeed again soon or late in the same way it is breaking down the inflectional distinction between adverb and adjective so that i feel bad begins to take on the dignity of a national idiom and sure to go big and run slow become almost respectable footnote a common direction to motormen and locomotive engineers the english form is slow down i note however that drive slowly is in the taxicab shed at the pennsylvania station in new york and a footnote when on the entrance into the war the marine corps chose treat em rough as its motto no one thought to raise a grammatical objection and the clipped adverb was printed upon hundreds of thousands of posters and displayed in every town in the country always with the imprimatur of the national government so again american in its spoken form tends to obliterate the distinction between nearly related adjectives for example healthful and healthy tasteful and tasty and to challenge the somewhat absurd textbook prohibition of terminal prepositions so that where are we at loses its old raciness and to dally with the double negative as in i have no doubt but that footnote i quote from a speech made by senator sherman of illinois in the united states senate on june twentieth nineteen eighteen vide congressional record for that day page eight seven four three two days later there is no question but that appeared in a letter by john lee coulter a m ph d dean of west virginia university it was read into the record of june twenty second by mr ashwell one of the louisiana representatives even the pedantic senator henry cabot lodge oozing harvard from every pore uses but that vide the record for may fourteenth nineteen eighteen page six nine nine six End of footnote. but these tendencies or at least the more extravagant of them belong to the next chapter how much influence they exert even indirectly is shown by the american disdain of the english precision in the use of the indefinite pronoun i turn to the saturday evening post and in two minutes find one feels like an atom when he begins to review his own life and deeds 
the error is very rare in english the fowlers seeking examples of it could get them only from the writings of a third-rate woman novelist scotch to boot but it is so common in american that it scarcely attracts notice neither does the appearance of a redundant s in such words as towards downwards afterwards and heavenwards in england this s is used relatively seldom and then it usually marks a distinction in meaning as it does on both sides of the ocean between beside and besides in modern standard english says smith though not in the english of the united states a distinction which we feel but many of us could not define is made between forward and forwards forwards being used in definite contrast to any other direction as if you move at all you can only move forwards while forward is used where no such contrast is implied as in the common phrase to bring a matter forward footnote this phrase of course is a Briticism and seldom used in america the american form is to take a matter up End of footnote this specific distinction despite smith probably retains some force in the united states too but in general our usage allows the s in cases where english usage would certainly be against it gould in the fifties noted its appearance at the end of such words as somewhere and anyway and denounced it as vulgar and illogical thornton has traced anyways back to eighteen forty two and shown that it is an archaism and to be found in the book of common prayer circa fifteen sixty perhaps it has been preserved by analogy with sideways henry james in the question of our speech attacked such forms of impunity as somewheres else and nowheres else a good ways on and a good ways off as vulgarisms with what a great deal of general credit for what we good-naturedly call refinement appears so able to coexist towards and afterwards though frowned upon in england are now quite sound in american i find the former in the title of an article in dialect notes which plainly gives it scholastic authority more and with no little humor i find it in the deed of a fund given to the american academy of arts and letters to enable the gifted philologues of that sanhedrin to consider its duty towards the conservation of the english language in its beauty and purity both towards and afterwards finally are included in the new york evening post's list of words no longer disapproved when in their proper places along with over for more than and during for in the course of in the last chapter we glanced at several salient differences between the common coin of english and the common coin of american that is the verbs and adjectives in constant colloquial use the rubber stamps so to speak of the two languages america has two adverbs that belong to the same category they are right and good neither holds the same place in english thornton shows that the use of right as in right away right good and right now was already widespread in the united states early in the last century his first example is dated eighteen eighteen he believes that the locution was possibly imported from the southwest of ireland 
whatever its origin it quickly attracted the attention of english visitors dickens noted right away as an almost universal americanism during his first american tour in eighteen forty two and poked fun at it in the second chapter of american notes right is used as a synonym for directly as in right away right off right now and right on time for moderately as in right well right smart right good and right often and in place of precisely as in right there some time ago in an article on americanisms an english critic called it that most distinctively american word and concocted the following dialogue to instruct the english in its use how do i get to blank go right along and take the first turning sick on the right and you are right there right 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 like w l george this englishman failed in his attempt to write correct american despite his fine pedagogical passion no american would ever say take the first turning he would say turn at the first corner as for right away r o williams argues that so far as analogy can make good english it is as good as one could choose nevertheless the oxford dictionary admits it only as an americanism and avoids all mention of the other american uses of right as an adverb good is almost as protean it is not only used as a general synonym for all adjectives and adverbs connoting satisfaction as in to feel good to be treated good to sleep good but also as a reinforcement to other adjectives and adverbs as in i hit him good and hard and i am good and tired of late some has come into wide use as an adjective adverb of all work indicating special excellence or high degree as in some girl some sick going some etc it is still below the salt but threatens to reach a more respectable position one encounters it in the newspapers constantly and in the congressional record and not long ago a writer in the atlantic monthly hymned it ecstatically as some word a true super word in fact and argued that it could be used in a sense for which there is absolutely no synonym in the dictionary basically it appears to be an adjective but in many of its common situations the grammarians would probably call it an adverb it gives no little support to the growing tendency already noticed to break down the barrier between the two parts of speech end of chapter five part three